Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. Thanks for spending part of your Sunday morning with us here uh, as we broadcast on the radio. And if you're a podcast listener, thank you so much for doing that. And I forgot to mention the last couple of weeks, I'm trying to get better at this. If you do listen to the podcast, like them, share them, uh, comment on them, give them a rating. I don't know how that works because I'm not good at doing that myself, <laughs> sadly. But apparently it's good for the algorithm. So if you like what you hear on the show, you can do that and more people can hear what we do on this program. The last number of weeks, and now this week for the final week, Dr. Russell T. Fuller has been our special guest for a special edition of the show. We're not even in studio as we record these episodes. And there's a whole backstory on that. Someday, if you meet me in person, I can explain to you the backstory. It's not all that interesting, but you might find the backstory on how the radio business works interesting. If you're one of those, let me know. Anyway, Dr. Fuller, you can find him online at russelltfuller.com, and you can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, you can find this show, the Faith Debate page at WFMD.com. So we've talked about some of the backstory with Russell Fuller. I'm not going to rehash all of that, but just to encapsulate it, Dr. Fuller grew up in a, at best, nominally Christian environment, came to understand Jesus is his Lord and Savior in high school, went to college where he majored in business, but learned some biblical Greek along the way, got his master's degree where he became highly proficient in Hebrew as well, got his doctorate, and then went the academic route and did some preaching and pastoring as well. But he's most known for his work in the academy, coming up on 30 years, almost three decades now as a seminary professor, and in a very highly charged, very noteworthy, very important way, left being one of the professors at Southern Seminary, affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, in some really weird backroom, smoke-filled rooms kinds of stuff. It's dramatic stuff, and uh, I've been kind of positioning this interview series with Dr. Russell T. Fuller as a profile in Christian courage. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those if you missed them on podcast and see what it is that will help to build you up to have the intestinal fortitude to do the right thing, to take the stand, knowing your name's going to be dragged through the mud by certain people, knowing you're going to lose your job, uh, knowing that you will be misunderstood by accident or on purpose by certain people, and in some circles, your reputation will be permanently damaged because you took a stand for truth to be bold for Christ. And I'm willing to bet that I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it as we transition into what is Dr. Russell T. Fuller up to now? Any regrets about the stand you've taken and where it's caused you to land now in your career and your academic pursuits? No, if I had to do it again, you know, I, I would do it again. And I, I, I said once before with you, I mean, in one sense, if we could go back and do things, we would clean up little things. I, we never do anything perfectly. But even if you gave me a chance, okay, you could you could start over tomorrow. Uh, I would do the same thing, but I would be scared that I'd make other mistakes. <laughs> But no, I wouldn't change anything in that And part of that's because even if it didn't end well from a practical sense, you did the right thing, you always, that's a win. Right. But practically speaking, things have played out pretty good. I'm not sure if you want to go so far as to say it's a success story exactly just yet, but you're definitely on the road to what appears to be a really cool success story. So what is the story? I'm talking about, of course, your work with, with your seminary career, your, your seminary professor's career has continued, right. but in a different manner. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Okay. Yeah. Once I got fired, um, one person, I don't want to say their name, but one person at Southern Seminary looked at me 
and said, you know, you ought to go online and start teaching. And when he said that to me, I'm thinking, you know, of course, I'm, I'm 60 years old at that time. And you don't, you don't do that at 60. 60, the new 40, though. Come on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, you don't exactly take uh, risky moves, you know, uh, like that at, at, at that age. And when he says, you need to go online and start teaching, I'm like, that just... But, you know, but let me say this. The Lord got me ready for this because when COVID hit, and, of course, you know, COVID hits in the spring of, or really still in the winter, I guess, in 2020. It was kind of in March. And we had to get on Zoom and teach the rest of our class for that semester on Zoom. But I really felt sorry for the students because, you know, to me, classroom was what it was all about. And Zoom, I thought, oh, no. And so normally, especially at 60 years old, I didn't want to learn Zoom or anything like that. But yet I felt so sorry for the students. I thought, you know, I'm going to really work hard at this so I can do a good job for these guys because, you know, they, they paid good money to take these courses from me. I want to do a good job. And I didn't know what the Lord was doing, but he was getting me ready for my next job after I get fired. And so, again, a guy, the, the last person I spoke to, I, be, I believe it was one of the last people I spoke to on campus after I got fired, just out of the blue said, you, you ought to teach online. Which sounded crazy to you, but, oh. but seriously, and you, you poo-pooed it right away. I did. I did. But what other options were in your field of vision at that point? What did you think you were going to do? Zero. I mean, remember, this is COVID. Uh, everyone's panicking. The, you know, the economy is contracting big time. Nobody's hiring during COVID. And everybody's woke. Who's going to hire you? Oh, yeah, exactly. Although I'm not joking. Seriously. That's true. No, the woke people are not going to touch me uh, to this day. And they definitely were going to touch me then. And so, no, and again, do you want to move me somewhere in the United States to teach for, you know, what, a maximum of 10 years, and I'm gone, and I may not even teach 10 years? So, you know, you're not exactly employable at 60 years old. And then, remember, you've made most of the uh, academia upset at you for drawing the curtain back and saying, this is what really goes on in academia, you know, so... Academia as a whole is not exactly thrilled with my uh, perform- performance, as it were. So when this guy says this to me, I smile at him and I nod. I don't say anything, but I smile and nod. But in my mind, I'm saying, this is insane. When did you stop thinking it was insane? Well, I jump in my car and I'm heading home. And I only, I only live like four miles from uh, uh, Southern Seminary. So it didn't take me long to get home, about 10 minutes at the most, if if traffic is bad. And on the way home, I'm thinking, why not? But I'm wondering, am I losing my mind? I mean, you don't do stuff like this. And uh, and so uh, I have to... What nudged you? Friends, your wife? Like, who nudged you? Well, first it was my friends, because I I was too scared, you know, with all my courage, I was too scared to tell my wife my idea first. I was way too scared for that. And so... And I was even scared to tell my friends, but I thought, and I better ask somebody because they can tell me whether I'm heading toward, I'm having a breakdown here, you know. And so I call my friend uh, down in North Carolina and I say to him, listen, I've got a crazy, and, and of course, you know, I, I preface by saying, I know this is crazy. I know this is stupid. So don't, don't yell at me. You know, please don't think I've, you know, Russell, since you've lost your job, you've just, you know, you've lost your mind. But I knew he would tell me straight. 
he was a, he's a good friend, my, my best friend, and I knew he wouldn't spare me. <laughs> so I gave him this idea. I said, you know, what about going online and teaching? And he goes, you've got to try that. Just try it. And he was all excited about it. And I thought, wow. And so I called my other friend. He's my financial guy. And so you're laying out the fleece. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And my financial guy, he's one of these guys, I'm telling you, he will tell you the truth. Let me tell you. This guy, you know, he would tell me if something's crazy. There, there's no doubt. And so I asked him, you've got to do this. This is exactly what you need to be doing. I'm like, really? Yes. So, you know, about a month later, I finally decided to tell my wife. No, I'm kidding. I told her a little more earlier than that. And so we said, okay, you know, we're, we're going to try it. And within, you got to remember, I'm fired really in April, uh, end of April, I get fired. And, you know, at first there's so many things going on. I'm not even thinking about the future. I'm sitting here thinking about, oh, I've got to call the church where I'm preaching. I got to let them know. You know, I just got fired. I don't know how they're going to respond to it. Uh, I've got a call. Yeah, there's so many things you have to do uh, when something like this happens. And I'm getting phone calls from all over the place uh, after people find out I'm, I'm fired. And so, you know, and so it was it wasn't it was mid-June before we even started thinking about teaching classes. And yet. In a very short period of time, we, we put it together real fast, and now I'm on my, I've done three complete years of teaching. Uh, this fall, I'll start my fourth year of teaching, and I have had a wonderful time. So you're kicked to the curb in April, and by what, August or September, you're up and running with the online yeah, teaching? And, and by the end of August, I'm up and teaching. Things are, and, and it's just wonderful. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't be happier. Okay, you've used a plural pronoun several times. So you said we, like three different times, I think. Okay. Did, was there a we in the summer of 2020, or was it just you? Well, I was thinking we, I was thinking about people who, you know, again, were encouraging me, help, you know, saying, hey, come on, let's do this. Because I know there's a we now. Yeah, there's a we now. But when it started, like, it, it was really I at the beginning. Okay, it was just me, and you know, I, I didn't... But now you realize there is no I in the theology that's right. classroom. <laughs> that's right, now it's me. <laughs> but now I've got two other guys helping me out. Once, by the way, it's really hilarious. One of the people teaching for me is a trustee at Southern Seminary to this very day, Tom Rush. And Tom... Uh, and trustees can't be ousted so easily? Uh, they threatened him. They threatened to oust him. But, of course, that's not. he's more unwilling to be ousted. He's not going to, and he has not stayed quiet. The man has stood for the truth. Tom Rush is a tremendous man. And when I said to him, you ought to teach for me sometime, he goes, why not now? And I said, you got it. And so Tom Rush and then a guy named uh, Richard McDonald, good friend, and student of mine. So when it started, and it was just you. How many classes yeah. that first semester did uh, you handle? Four. We did. We started with four. And I imagine the languages were among the four. Uh, the languages were among the four. We did a little bit of Greek, a little bit of Hebrew, but we did, uh, I think, Old Testament introduction. You know, where we would go the first, basically the first half of the Old Testament. Testament, excuse me. And then we did. Um, was it the Book of Jeremiah? In English, so we just did English books. 
So if you take classes with me, it's not everything is language. And how did that compare to your class load when you were at Southern? Do you typically teach three, four, five classes at yeah. a time? Yeah, usually three or four classes. So that felt pretty normal as far as that goes. It did. It felt pretty normal. And was it just you for the spring semester then too? Was there a January session, that kind of thing? Yeah, like yeah. So? there was a just a couple, what I would call the winter. So it was two semesters. That was it. And it was just me. But then the following year, I added on Richard McDonald and Tom Rush. You had them both around the same time. Yeah, pretty and close. They, were either, they might have been one semester away. From so then the class offerings jumped from four to what? We went up to about nine classes. So they're each teaching maybe a couple of classes, something like that. You're still carrying most, most of the water. Of yeah, that's true. Um, now I've taught so many, uh, sometimes some of the classes we just, you can look at the old videos that we have of them if you like. And then we have what we call live classes if you want to come while I'm actually teaching them and so forth. And that provides the opportunity for interaction. They can ask questions oh, in the yes. moment and that sort of thing, right? That's right. They can ask questions. But we especially do that. We have a whole, we have one, it's not all that like class, but we call it office hours. And we do that every week. And if you have any question for any class or not even just, you just have a question you want to ask me, you come to office hours and we do that. Everything's recorded. And if you can't make the class that night, it's fine. Uh, you'll, you'll get the download of the class. One of the advantages in a more traditional environment is after class or before class or office hours, somebody can come and get personal one-on-one -on -one physical presence. Mm -hmm. is, is there some mechanism for having something that approximates that with Theology Classroom? Yeah, the office hours, for instance. <laughs> Again, you can ask me anything you want to. And we'll talk. And if we need to, I mean, we'll talk on the phone. We'll talk on Zoom. Um, I've even uh, even come into your house. A student brought me here. That's on Zoom. And so sometimes uh, I, I, I meet students in person. And so there are many ways uh, to communicate with me. The staff that's currently in place going to be the staff for the next academic calendar year as well? Are you going to add another professor or adjunct or something? Yeah, we won't be adding any uh, more professors right now, but we will have, again, Tom Rush teaching. Uh, we'll have uh, Richard McDonald teaching, and I'll teach. The classes, let me give you an idea of what we teach. Tom Rush has been probably 50 years in the ministry. He has been everything from a military chaplain He's a colonel, uh, maybe a uh, maybe a lieutenant colonel. I forgot where he retired, but he was a, he, he got up to a colonel of rank of some sort. Uh, he's also pastored churches. He's done it all. You, you show me the ministry. This man's done it, and so he teaches pastoral uh, ministries. Does a fantastic job. But he'll also teach classes like the pastoral epistles. Uh, but you know, if he wants to teach the book of Mark. He can do it if, he, if that's what he wants to do. He's so qualified. Richard McDonald, great guy, great teacher. He'll be teaching Mark and Proverbs this year. That'll be both semesters for him. And also Tom Rush is going to teach a theology course this semester on holiness, on, you know, growing in the Christian faith, growing in Christian walk and so forth. Uh, he does that. He's taught on evangelism, how to uh, evangelize and so forth. I'm going to be mostly teaching advanced Hebrew, advanced Greek, uh, and also Aramaic. So I'm going to be with the languages this time. But, you know, some of my older classes where I taught the book of Hebrews, I've taught the book of Jeremiah, all in English. You don't have to know Hebrew, Greek, or anything, you know. Uh, I, you can take those. Now, again, it won't be live, but you can get the videos uh, and so forth. Okay. 
anticipated a question. So it's like eight to 10 classes offered per semester is kind of what we're looking at, but that's live classes. So somebody, if they feel like they can get what they need out of the recorded classes, they could take the class via the recorded. Because I was thinking you're doing this coming fall, you're gonna be teaching the advanced languages. Well, somebody who hasn't been through the more introductory material, they're kind of left out in the cold, except they can go through the the recorded. They can do through the recorded classes, and after they take two of those, they'd be ready for the more advanced classes. Have you structured and laid out the tracks? Like, if you want to complete our program, these are the classes you should take in what order, these are what the offerings are going to look like, and these are electives versus the things that are going to have you, I don't know what the credentialing looks like for you, if they get a certificate of completion, or I know accreditation is difficult in the best of circumstances for committed Christian institutions. It's got to be particularly hard with an online thing. So I don't know, that's a question I want to ask, but first, is your track, if I were to become a student, let's say, and say, hey, if you spend the next three years with me, or four four years, or whatever it is, and you take the classes in this order, you will have completed the lion's share of what's important for you to have taken from us. Is it laid out like that? It is. We, we, uh, we don't necessarily lay out anything quite like, you know, because we don't know exactly what we're going to teach from year to year. I mean, we do know in the general sense, but like exactly what book are we going to, we're going to teach Isaiah, or we're going to teach the Pentateuch. Uh, you know, we, we don't really know because we get together and... Learning never stops. Right. But as far as feeling like you've completed the program to something where you say, I finished. Correct. What does that look, what is that? Yeah, we're looking at about a three-year program with us. And when you come, obviously, we're not accredited. But yet what you're getting is seminary-level education. And so what do they end up in? Do they get a diploma? It's just not an accredited diploma? Or what is it that they have? It'll be like a certificate, let's say. Let's not use the word diploma. But the certificate that, look, you've taken these courses. And let me tell you this. We don't have... This is for self-learners. Therefore, I'm not... We're not giving exams, we're not writing papers, which I know sounds very strange, but what we're doing is we will say to students, look, you know, read these materials, and we, for instance, in the languages, we'll say, look, if you really want to get this down, you need to do these exercises, and we have the keys for these exercises, and we have tutors to help you, we will help you, to get make sure you're getting so that would be the main reason why it's not a diploma because you can give them the certificate saying that they have viewed all the materials they've been exposed to all the teaching but how much they retained and actually learned you're not testing for that so you can't say boom staff of approval we're vouching for this person's education that's on them and then in practical settings they could prove like so you took Greek, prove it. Okay, give me your New Testament in the Greek and I'll read it to you right. kind of thing. That's what's going on there. Okay. Yeah, in other words, and I tell them, I say, look, this is, if you, take a, if you take Greek with me, let's say, or Hebrew with me, this is no uh, guarantee that a school is going to accept, you know, of course, they're not going to accept the credits, quote, unquote, but ask to take their, their placement exam in Hebrew or Greek. If you've done your work like you're supposed to, you'll pass that. You should pass it. Okay, that's good and helpful for people to know. Uh, I've taught this, this stuff for over 30 years. When students ask questions, I have an idea where they are. I mean, when I have interaction with them in the language classes, I have plenty of interaction. I can tell who's putting the work in and who's absolutely, not. Absolutely. In my seminary education, I took all of my classes in person. Right. 
But there was an option. Well, it wouldn't have proven to be an option in the long run. But in the moment, there was an option for me to take a language class, to take a class virtually. And I attempted to take a language class virtually. And I found it particularly difficult to take a language class virtually. But I'm sensing that's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is different than just taking an online language class because there's the personal interaction. Is that? Yes. See, we have, again, we have a tutor that you can take advantage of. Because I dropped that class and I, I waited till I could take another semester live in person because I was like two weeks in, I was like, okay, I'm not getting it. <laughs> yeah, then we have, we have um, the office hours where you can ask any language question. Then we have the class itself that you can ask questions. You can, again, you can call me. And one thing, I like the way we do it, we go very fast through the material. Okay, I'll tell you right now, we go at a very fast clip. But I stress to the students, Take it at your pace, because if you pay for the first class or the second class, you can retake those free, and you can do it at your own pace. I think that's very important. And for the older students, um, again, they, they, they need extra time sometimes, and that's fine. And at my school, you can just take what you want to take. You don't have to say, oh, I've got to take languages. No, if you just want to take the English Bible classes, take the English Bible. And again, I don't call on you. None of the professors call on you. So you're not going to get embarrassed. We're not going to, you don't know that, you know, none of that. And so what we're looking, what we're doing is we're saying to people, look, if you want to get seminary level education at a fraction of the cost, I mean a fraction of the cost, um, but yet, you know, we're not going to give you a, an official degree. But you'll have the materials. You'll be exposed to the materials. I'll tell you what, I'll put my students up against a lot of the students you have in these seminaries. I think they'll do just fine. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have to check my notes and my seminary studies, but did the Apostle John have a diploma from a seminary? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, have to be, I'll have to check on that. So the accreditation thing, we've mentioned a couple of times, but I seem to recall you mentioning that you were pursuing some potential avenues to get something, either some sort of different kind of accreditation or something that approximates an accreditation. Yeah, I, this year, I'm hoping, during, but before next year, I'm hoping to at least begin the process, let's say it that way of looking into accreditation. Now, I can't get what's called regional accreditation. You're talking a million or two million dollars to get, no, I'm, not, I'm not joking. That's completely ridiculous. It's, a, it's, it's ridiculous, it is. And all it is is you have to go through certain, you know, silly hoops. That's sanctioned mafia. It, it's just, it's, right? It, that's a, it's a con. give me your protection money. It's, that's what that, that's what that sounds like to it's me. It's truly a con game. I, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> But hey, a lot of people make money off this. So that's what it's all about. But that's part of the problem. There's so much money involved. That's, oh, yeah. that's a big part of the problem. Anyway. I'm looking for accreditation from, it's a small uh, sort of, it's it, Reformed Baptist and some good Presbyterian brothers have come together and they've made a certain accreditation agency. And the major seminaries take these, take these credits, you see. So I'm gonna check into it. I hear it's affordable for someone, you know, our school's small. And I hear it's affordable, and so it wouldn't, we wouldn't have to raise rates very high is what I'm hearing. But I've got to know the details. And also, how much, how much busy work is this going to cause me? Because remember, I'm 63 now. Uh, do I really want to do it? So we'll, we'll see, but I, I would like it to be accredited so that students, if they wanted to go to one of these major seminaries, 
would be, you know, they would take the credits. That would be good. I'm going to wrap on this guy at about 30 seconds or less, actually, on the show. You've been listening to the voice of Dr. Russell T. Fuller online at RussellTFuller.com. Why is that important? Because that's the web address for Theology Classroom. RussellTFuller.com takes you to Theology Classroom, which we've been talking about specifically on this edition of the Faith Debate. Find us online at WFMD.com and find me and my church and things related to this show at HouseholdOfFaithInChrist.com. Thanks so much for listening. Till next week, 167 and a half hours from right now, God bless.